You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. We're going to finish this kind of fake sermon series that we've been working on. As I've tried to stray away from it, I feel like the Lord just keeps bringing me back every week as I told you that I felt that 2023 for this church and for my life specifically is the word victory. Is the word victory. And I've encouraged and I've heard some of your words that God has given you. If you haven't gotten a word yet, I encourage you to pray and talk to God and ask Him, do you have enough faith to just ask God for one word? Sometimes we get overwhelmed with wanting God to speak to us and thinking that God's going to speak this large book to us. But he can send one word that can forever change and alter your life. And so every year we believe, I've been doing this for many years, before I was fully in ministry, especially before I was pastoring this church, of asking God for one word. Give me a word. And then give me a scripture to tie into that word. So as I go into the year, I can go back to that word and know that God is speaking. God has already spoken about something that's going to happen in 2023. He's going to help me in 2023. And the word for me is victory. And I know some of y'all have already got some words. Y'all have shared your words to stand and believe. So when something happens in February, I can go back and say, no, 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 I'm going to see victory in this year. When something happens in June or July, September, October, December 25th or 31st, I could say, no, 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 I'm going to see victory because that's what God has spoken. Whether you agree with that or not, I feel like the Lord has been giving me scriptures and given me words and given me sermons, hopefully to preach to you, to encourage you. But if not, I'm preaching to myself to remind myself and encourage myself that victory is mine for the year of 2023. In the first week we started this kind of sermon series, we talked about the victory. I'm going to see a victory. Faith comes by hearing and hearing in the word of God. And it says that we walk by faith and not by sight. So if I'm going to look at anything in my life, I'm not going to look at the situation. I'm not going to look at the negativity. I'm not going to look at everything collapsing around me. I'm going to choose by faith to see a victory in this situation. Next week we talked about that God already gave us the victory. The victory is his. He already orchestrated. He already built. He already maneuvered everything that he had to do through way of his son to provide the victory for us. So therefore we get to just walk in the benefit of those victories. The victory is already his. And if I'm in him, then I am victorious. Amen. And then last week we talked about in order to see a victory in a couple areas of our life, victory in our conversations, victory in our love for God, and victory in our, my mind just went blank, who remembers? (laughs) Victory in our prayer life, I remembered. Victory in our prayer life. We need to study the Word of God. We need to know the Word of God. We need to put the Word of God inside of us so our faith level can rise to believe for victory. And this week, we're going to talk, this title as I finish this, Chain-Breaking Victory. 
chain-breaking victory. Psalms 107.14, he being capitalized, so we're talking about God, brought them out of darkness. He brought you out of darkness, amen? And he also brought you, where? Out of the shadow of death. And what else did he do? He broke their chains. He didn't just unlock the chains and leave them there for you to go back to. He broke their chains in pieces so that you would never have to go back to those. God is willing and able to break your chains. And how is he willing and how is he able to break the chains is by using the words, his words, which are not chained, but free to move. 2 Timothy 2, 7 through 10, is kind of our main passage for today. Paul is writing to his son in the faith. Historians believe that this is the last book that Paul wrote. And the last book that he wrote was to his son in the faith, to his main guy, to the guy that he's passing on his ministry to in the churches that he started. And he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 7. He says, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. This, as a pastor, is my prayer for you every Sunday. Every time we're together, I, as Paul... And praying this over, the, over you. Because there might be some things that I say that might go against what you have been taught. What you have grown up in. Even what your parents or a previous pastor has said. But I'm asking as your pastor to just consider what I say. And then may the Lord give you understanding in those things. As I'm preaching, as I'm teaching, as I'm showing you things in the scriptures as your pastor, I just ask you to consider these things. Some people have preached in the past and maybe still preach to this day that healing isn't for today. And there's people who use the Bible to prove that. Some of you who are laughing have probably heard some people preach that. But... This pastor, I believe that healing is still for today. Healing is still for right now, that God wants to heal. That is his heart, that is his purpose. If he was a healer in the past, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's going to heal us in the future. It says in the Bible that there is no sickness, there is no disease, there is no death in heaven, right? So he's healed in the past, and he's going to heal in the future, why do we believe that he doesn't want to heal in the today? So I just ask you to consider it. And then let the Lord show you understanding on that. I tell people this, and maybe it's a little sarcastic. Maybe it's a little snarky. It's okay if you don't believe in healing. You'll just get to heaven faster than I will. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to believe in healing. You'll just get there quicker. And then you'll be healed. So either way, I win because you'll get healed anyway. <laughs> Consider what I say. My prayer is may the Lord give you understanding in all things. I do my best 
as your pastor to study the scriptures and, and, and bring it to the pastors in my life and ask them, is this right? Am I preaching this right? Am I looking at this right? And get confirmation. I do all that. But I'm still just a man who can make mistakes. My wife's not here to amen me right there and then, but I'll let you know I still make mistakes. And so I pray, Lord, let them hear what you want them to hear and let them forget the dumb things I say when they walk out the door. Let them know what you need them to know. And that's what Paul is saying. So let's see what he's about to say. In verse 8, he says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. All right, let's take a time out right there. Because there has been confusion in that phrase right there of my gospel. And some people, some pastors in some way that people preach, are not fans of Paul and his writings. If he made it in the Bible, we, we should be fans of them. But some people aren't. So I want to help you. I want to let you consider something. Paul is not saying that he has his own gospel in a way. But there is a very distinct distinction between the gospel to the Gentiles and the gospel to the Jews. But the gospel always stays the same in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, which is one of our core values, which is based off of the printing press up there that says the news, that says good news. Paul says, for I received from the Lord, I also deliver to you the gospel that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried in a tomb and he rose again the third day. That is the gospel message that anyone at any time can believe and receive the salvation of the Lord and be forever changed, going from darkness to light, going from a dead person to a new creation, believing the gospel message. But in Acts chapter 2, when Peter is full of the Holy Spirit, he stands up in front of an entire Jewish population in Jerusalem, and he tells them that they need to repent, they need to be water baptized, and then... They will receive remission of sins. But then Peter is called to go to a Gentile's house. He's called to Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. And what comes out of Peter's mouth is not to repent, is not to be water baptized. But he says, believe on Jesus and you'll receive the remission of sin. And in Galatians chapter 1, Paul starts saying that there is no other gospel he said, I'm so amazed that you have left and started believing a different gospel that doesn't even exist. But in Galatians chapter 2, Paul makes a distinction between my gospel and Peter's gospel. And there's a decision that's made in Acts that Paul and his team are going to the Gentiles and that Peter and his team are going to bring the gospel message to the Jews. And the Jews tried to jump over to the Gentiles and tried to tell all the Gentiles, you have to be circumcised to come into the kingdom. Now it would be very hard for each and every one of us, maybe not you women, but us men, if I got up today and started preaching this thing called circumcision, we would all, as men, say, time out, I'm going to go to a different church. I'm not going to be a part of this. But there's a distinction between how the gospel is preached and interacted through the Jewish people and how the gospel is preached. It's still believe Jesus. It's the main focus and it's why Paul can say 
according to my gospel. Let's keep reading. Verse 9. For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. The Jews did not like him preaching this gospel. He didn't like that he was preaching, you don't have to be circumcised after you get saved. You don't have to follow the law. That's how it was a different looking gospel. Because the Jews were saying, you've got to follow the law. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to do this. You've got to quit eating bacon. The Gentiles said, uh-uh. I can handle a lot of the things you're saying, but don't eat bacon. Don't wrap it around that shrimp. Put a little jalapeno in the middle of it. No, it's not going to happen. Because Peter got caught up in it, didn't he? Paul says, I accused him to the face that you were eating. What was his complaint? That he was eating with the Gentiles. He got a taste of that bacon grease. He's like, I can't go back. <laughs> for which I suffer trouble for. He's talking about literal trouble. You can read Paul. He talks about how he gets beaten and stoned and killed. As an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But look at this. But the word of God is not chained. Praise God. Verse 10. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Going back to the gospel. It's always about Jesus. It's always about what Jesus did. Believing on him gives you eternal life. My wife is going to be so mad. We are deep in the introduction. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you. Go, somebody go tell her that. <laughs> the word of God is not bound to the physicality of the earth. The word of God is not chained to the same situation that you are. The word of God is free to move between physical, natural, spiritual. It's not chained. It's not tied. It's not pulled back. It's not held in this building. The Word of God is free to move as soon as I release it out of my mouth. Even if the physical book of the Bible is destroyed, the Word of God can still function in its same power on the earth. If one day they, they decide to get all of the Bibles, burn them all in the streets. Hopefully, you've memorized at least one scripture. I encourage you to memorize more than one, but hopefully you've memorized one. And whatever one that is, it's still just as powerful, even if you don't have a physical copy, if you don't have one on your phone, if you can't find it on the internet, if you can't find it in paperback, by Jesus' stripes, you are already healed. Still works. Even if they try and take it from us, the word of God is not chained. It is free to move. The word of God has existed and will continue to exist. This Bible got put together by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it has existed and been considered the number one bestseller of all time. And after I'm gone, after you're gone, my children are going to read the same book. My great-grandchildren are going to read the same book. 
My great, 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 great grandchildren, Lord, come back before them, are going to read the same book in the same power that it did with Moses and David and Samuel and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, Hosea and Joel and Micah and Nahum and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And all the writings of Paul and Peter that were writing it at that moment. And the first church was reading it. And now we're reading it. And there, it's existed and stayed true through this whole time. And the word of God is still powerful enough whether you believe it or not. The Bible says you're healed. You could believe that healing is not for today. But the Bible's still true. And let everything else be false. So today... So quickly, we are going to talk about seeing chain-breaking victory in three areas. We're going to look at some stories in the Bible about how the Word of God worked in their lives. The first thing I wrote down, the Word works even when you attack yourself. Originally, I'd put the Word works even when you do something stupid, so you can... Take whichever one you want. I thought I'd be a little nicer. The word works even when you attack yourself. And we're going to look at the story of Samson. Samson as a Nazarite, has long hair, has power, has strength. But he's got one character flaw. He likes the ladies way too much. And he finally tells this Philistine woman, Delilah, that the strength to his strength is in his hair, right? And they cut, and they shave his head, and they attack him, and now he is weak. And we're looking at the end of his life, the end of the story, in Judges chapter 16, verses 21. It says, then the Philistines, this is Delilah's family, took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in prison. You thought your in-laws were bad. Look at these in-laws. They took him, put out his eyes, put him in jail, and then made him work as a grinder. Verse 22, praise God for this scripture right here. It gives me hope because God is gracious. However, the hair of his head began to grow again. Even after it had shaved, even after he had made dumb decision after dumb decision after dumb decision, the hair on his head, the promise of God that he grew up with from birth when he was in the womb, when his mom said, when God told his mom that he was going to be a Nazarene and not to grow, not to cut his hair, not to drink any wine, not to touch any dead. The vow of the Nazarene says even if your parents or your siblings die, you can't be around the dead. It's how intense of a vow it was. And the word of God came to him while he was in the womb, came to his mother, that his strength would come from his hair. And he had made a lot of dumb decisions because he kept falling into this same cycle of following that pretty girl home. So we have some young people here. We have some single people here. This is why it's so important to choose your spouse. Choose your circle of influence. Because although Samson thought that this woman loved him, 
was going to take care of him, and she did take care of him, and she did love him, but she loved her people and her family and her money more. The circle of influence is very important of who you're hanging out with and who you're connecting yourself to. But Samson made so many dumb decisions, and there he is in jail, eyes poked out, working, and his hair starts growing back. The Philistines start having this big party because they want to celebrate that they have captured their enemy. And they said, bring Samson out so that he can entertain us. But what they didn't do and what they didn't know is they didn't shave his head because his hair and the word of God is not chained. His hair started growing back. And he stands there as thousands and thousands of Philistines are worshiping their God, Dagon. And they're celebrating the defeat of Samson and his God. And Samson is standing there and he tells the slave that's next to him, put my hands on the pillars of this temple so that I can brace myself. And in verse 28, I believe, Samson prays one more prayer, calls out to God one more time. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And it says that he starts pushing these pillars. And the walls of the temple cave in. And it says that he killed more Philistines in that one moment than he had killed in his entire life. At one point, he picked up the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistine men. And by pushing these towers over, he caved in and killed more than he had killed in his whole time being a judge. He had made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, but the word of God is not chained. And he says, God, please, the word that you told me back then, let it be true just one more time. Aren't you glad that God is a God of second chances and third chances and 800 chances? That his mercies are new every morning. That his grace is sufficient. That his grace is enough. That even when you make bad decisions, when you attack yourself, when you do dumb stuff, his word is not chained to where it can show back up in the middle of a jail cell, in the middle of a circumstance, and change your life and cause chain-breaking victory. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, it says, For a righteous man may fall seven times, but look and rise again. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. In Isaiah 41, it says that the Lord is going to uphold us with his right hand. He's going to help pick us up. He's not going to leave us in the misery. He's not going to leave us in the situation, even if we caused it ourselves. Now, I'm not encouraging you to keep making bad decisions. I'm not encouraging you to stay in the same cycle of frustration and addiction and bondage that you've been in because, hey, God will get me on the other side. No, no, no. I'm encouraging you that when he breaks the chains, he breaks them into pieces and that his word can go 
anywhere, at any time, to meet you in your circumstance and pull you up and bring you out of that. You might have fallen into that same pattern of addiction all of your life, but today is a new day. Today, the dawn is beginning. His mercy is new today to help you. His word is not chained, and it can meet you where you're at, even when you make bad decisions. The second story I want to talk about, the second way that the word is chain-breaking victory, the word works when the world attacks. It works when you do dumb stuff, when you mess up, you can still have victory through the word, but when the world attacks, when you're just walking through life and the world attacks, will his word show up and help you then? Mark chapter 6 Verses 48 through 51 is a story that we've heard many times if we've been in church. Jesus walking on the water. Then he saw them being disciples. Jesus saw the disciples straining and rowing. Jesus told his disciples to go to the other side. He was going to stay and pray. Y'all go to the other side and I'll meet you there. As the disciples are going to the other side, a storm hits. The wind goes against them. And they're rowing and they're tired, and they're weary. They've just got done doing ministry. They're probably going on the other side of the sea to do more ministry. They're fishermen for the most part, so they know how to maneuver the sea. They know how to maneuver the waves, but it's kicking their tail. It showed up out of nowhere. They didn't ask for it. They didn't believe for it. They just stumbled into a storm in life. And when Jesus saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. Come on, Jesus. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. Ah! Look at verse 50. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. In verse 51. Then he went up into the boat to them. And what happened? The wind ceased. The storm stopped when the Word showed up. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. Then the Word went into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And look at their response. They were greatly amazed in themselves, beyond measure, and marveled. Listen, life happens. It says in the scriptures, it tells us in the Bible, it's going to rain on the just and the unjust. Each and every one of you are going through something in life, more than likely, that you did not ask for, you did not want, you did not inquire. It has fallen into your lap, and now the waves are against you, the wind are against you, and all you're doing is rowing as best as you can. Your head's above water, you're still trying to breathe, you're still trying to live, and you're rowing, and you're rowing, and you're rowing, and nothing is happening, nothing is changing, and you didn't even cause it, but the word is not chained, and the word shows up in that situation in a way that nobody expected. Everybody expected for Jesus to be on a boat rowing to the other side. Nobody expected the supernatural movement of the word to start walking on the water and to step into your situation and to step into the disciples' situation because the word's not chained by the natural. He does whatever he has to do to get to you. Yes, the waves are crazy. Yes, the wind is crazy. Yes, 
I'm drowning. Yes, all of these things. And Jesus walks on top of the waves and steps in the middle of the chaos that you didn't cause and you didn't ask for and that Jesus didn't make. And what does he do? Be of good cheer. Now is not the time to be of good cheer. I'm freaking out. I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. I'm wet. I'm tired. I'm all of these things. And you want me to be of good cheer. You want me to laugh in this situation? You want me to smile in this situation? You want me to not be afraid? He said, yeah, be of good cheer. Here I am. And as soon as he stepped into the situation, what happened? The storm ceased. Because the word is unchained. It's not held to the word showing up in the storm is not normal. Disciples in the word didn't start the storm, but he showed up and it ceased. And the unchained word in your life and in people around your life will be like them, amazed in themselves, beyond measure and marveled. Because when the word shows up and he transforms your life, I knew who you were. I saw you go there. I knew what you used to say and what you used to do. But when the word shows up and brings chain-breaking victory, it makes people marvel. I can't believe you survived that situation. I can't believe you acted in that way as you went through that. So many other people fell off the cliff, but somehow you climbed the mountain. Somehow you overcame it. That's why we're believing for mighty miracles and healing in people's lives in this church. That's why we're believing for mighty victory in people's finances, in their relationships, in their physical bodies. We're believing for mighty miracles to happen in having victory in 2023. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus is speaking, and he says almost the same thing. You've heard the scripture. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Praise God, we need that. But in the world, you'll have tribulation. So if I have Jesus in me, I have peace. So even if there's tribulation in the world, I have peace. But he says the same thing. Be of good cheer. Put a smile on your face. Because I've overcome the world. And greater is he that's in me. His word will still show up in the middle of that to conquer all things in your life. God's word works in miraculous ways. When the world attacks for no reason, you can have the victory. The last thing I have. The world works when your body attacks. The word works when your body attacks. Acts chapter 3. There's a song. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. And they meet this man who has been lame since birth, who hasn't walked since birth, and he asks Peter for money. Peter says in verse 6, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse 7, 
and he took him by the hand, lifting him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. The unchained word of God can show up even when your body is falling apart. Whether it's your physical body, your mental, your emotional, or even your spiritual. You were dead and there was no way that you could be made alive except through Christ. And the unchained word of God went into your dead corpse and your grave and he pulled you out, it says in Colossians, and he conveyed you from darkness into light. This man has been lame and not able to walk since birth. He was born deformed in some way, shape, or form. He had no help. He had no future. Somebody would bring him to the temple so that he could ask for alms. Doesn't say he had family that was helping him, feeding him. He's in a bad way, bad shape. He's asking for money. Peter says, I don't have money. But what I do have is the currency of heaven, and that's the unchained word of God. And when he said, rise up in the name of Jesus, think of all of the miracles that had to happen. His physical body, his legs had to start growing. He's never walked on these legs. Do you know how atrophied they were and how small and tiny? Probably tinier than my little legs, huh? So his legs had to start growing. His skin had to start growing. His muscles had to start growing. His nervous system, cardiovascular, the blood had to start flowing. But he's never walked before in his life, which means the unchained word of God had to go into his nervous system, into his brain, and teach him how to walk to whenever Peter grabbed him and pulled him up in a split second. All of those things immediately were miraculously transformed. And it says he was walking and leaping and praising God. For a man who doesn't know how to walk since birth, how does he know how to walk and leap and praise God? The unchained word of God went into that physical body and completely transformed every type of system in an instant. It didn't take over time from him grabbing his hand and pulling him up. Legs, muscles, blood vessels, nerves, everything just started growing. And then he got a download from the Holy Spirit on how to walk. He wasn't a new little baby deer. Just look at, look at the miracle God did. It says he was walking and leaping and praising God. The unchained work and word of God can do something miraculous. It can cause cancerous tumors to shrink up and die in the name of Jesus. It can cause little baby's ears to be healed in the name of Jesus and drained. It can cause healing in your physical body. It can cause healing in your emotional body. It can cause you to forgive that person and let it go. It can cause, in the name of Jesus, it can cause your mind to be made right. And it can cause your soul to come alive. Psalms 107 verse 20. We read Psalms 107 earlier. Now we're jumping all the way to verse 20. If I ever pray for you, this is one of the scriptures I pray for you in regards to healing. It says, and he sent his what? His word. The unchained word of God. He sent his word. And what did it do? It healed them. And it healed you. And it also delivered them. Remember, I always tell you, God is a God of abundance, right? 
If it would have just said he sent his word and healed you, that would have been good enough. We could all said, praise God. Thank you for that scripture right there. But that's not who God is. He's an abundant God. Not only did he send his word to heal you, he also sent his word to deliver you from their destructions when you do stupid stuff. When the devil tries to attack, something happens. He sent his word to also deliver you from your destruction. God's word can free you from your physical, mental, and emotional body. You can have the victory. And I've got one more scripture. Maddie, I'm landing the plane. Somebody text her and tell her. Still before 1130, so I'm winning anyway. God's word is unchained and not bound by natural laws. So God's word today can break any chains that you have caused in your own life. Any addictions, any bondages, any fears, any worries, anything that you think your, your parents and your grandparents have passed on down to you, whatever generational things you think are, he can break anything with his word off of your life. Amen? God's word is unchained and not bound by natural law, so it can break any chains that the world has tried to attack you. The thief is out there, and what he's trying to do is to steal, kill, and destroy you. But not me, not my life, not my family, not my church, not my community. We're going to have victory in 2023 because we believe the word of God is more powerful than any attack of the devil. And the last one, God's word is unchained and not bound by natural law. So it can break any chains that your body is trying to hold you down or back from. If you need healing in any avenue of your body, if you've never been saved before, you've never experienced the freedom of having an encounter with Jesus, knowing that gospel message that Paul was preaching about, that Christ died for your sins. It's great that Christ died for the sins of the whole world, but I know my sins. I know my shortcomings. I know my failures. And the fact that he died for those, the fact that he chose, it says in the scriptures, to remember those sins no more is a reason that I'll praise him forever. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the last scripture I have, Timothy is writing to his son in the faith, and he tells him in first, 2 Timothy 4 verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teachings. Now a lot of times in the Christian world, this is always directed toward pastors, and being in Bible school and growing up in church and, and learning through Bible school, they always, the teachers always told us this. Preach the word. My pastor was a big fan of this. My pastor's father, who was also my pastor, was a big fan of this. But he used it in a way of he would call you like before church started and was like, hey, you're preaching tonight. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Or Pastor Eric would be like, hey, I need you to go up there and do something. And I'd be like, well, like right now? And then he'd hand me the mic and he would say this. Well, you got to be ready in season and out of season. Oh, all right, Lord, I'm just going to get up there. But I want to encourage you today. This isn't me preaching to a bunch of pastors. It's me preaching to y'all that you need to preach the word to yourself. You need to be ready in season and out of season. Right now, everything could be going good. Everything could be going great. But life comes and hits us quick. 
And I need to be ready now. I need to start preparing for victory now. I need to start studying the word now. I need to get the word inside of me now because I might not have access to the Bible all the time. But in the moment of a situation, what I have inside of me, my, your word, it says, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you? That in the moment, I can pull those scriptures out and I can release that unchained word into whatever situation. I could be in the middle of a hospital. I could be in the middle of the grocery store. I could be driving and get a phone call from somebody. And I'll say, let's pray right now. And what I pray over you is the word of God. And I release that word of God to go into your situation and break the chains into pieces off of your life. But if I'm not even around, you can do that out of your own mouth. Preach the word. And sometimes you're going to have to convince yourself. doesn't make sense in the natural. How is the word walking on the water? Sometimes you're going to have to rebuke yourself. Shut up, brain. Sometimes you're going to say something out of your mouth. Well, God's never going to do, uh-uh, no, 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 that was wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm not going to believe. I'm going to listen to what my mouth is saying, and sometimes I'm going to have to tell my mouth to shut up or change what you're saying. Sometimes you're going to have to exhort yourself. Come on, buddy, you can do it. God is on your side. Greater is he that's in you. He's already paid the price for you. He's already risen from the dead. It says he's seated in the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for me, and he's coming back for me. He's on my side. This is not going to be my end. Sometimes you have to build yourself up. Now, I hate this word right here. With all long, long, long suffering and teaching. Sometimes you're going to have to say it more than once. Might not happen today. Might not happen tomorrow. Might not even happen this year. God told Abram, you're going to have a baby, and you're going to be the father of many nations. And he didn't have one baby, and he kept watching his wife get older and older and older. He said, how's this going to work? But he kept believing. He kept speaking. Sure enough, him and that wife of his had a nice little pretty baby at 100 years old. Keep speaking it. Keep believing. Long-suffering. God is a God who breaks chains with his unchained word. Amen? Let's stand up as we get ready to go. As we finish this month out, I hope and pray you've taken notes or there's something that you can stand on in 2023 that you're going to see a victory in. Something that's been holding you back your whole life. Something that you've been dealing with for years and decades. Something that has just shown up in your life. I am praying and standing and encouraging you today that you are going to see a victory in 2023. I believe it. I've seen it as I've been studying it for this last month. But I want you to believe it. And I want you to see it. You're going to have to fight for it. Long Suffering. You're going to have to exhort yourself. You're going to have to encourage yourself. You're going to see a victory in 2023. You might not believe it now, but let's say it together. Say, I'm going to see a victory in 2023. I'm going to see a victory in 2023. Amen. This is your year. Something changes. Something changes. The relationship changes. The marriage changes. The job changes. The health changes. Those thoughts change. The addictions change. Something is changing. Something is shifting. Something is moving. Something is happening. What you brought in from 2022 and the rest of your life, it's not staying in 2023.
three, you're going to see a victory in 2023. Start talking with the Holy Spirit in your prayer time. What is it? What is it, Lord? What can I stand in? Some of you already know. Some of you have been fighting something for so long. You've been striving and praying and standing. This is the year of victory. Amen? Father, we thank you for victory. Father, we thank you for victory. Even now, I release victory over these people. I've released a victory mindset over these people. No longer do they think that they're not going to make it. No longer do they walk in a, a mindset of defeat, in a mindset of poverty, in a mindset of not enough or not good enough. No, no, no. They walk in a mindset of victory because God is on their side. Jesus is victorious. And if I'm in Jesus, then that means I'm victorious as well. I'm going to come out on the other side victorious. I'm going to see your hand. I'm going to see you move. I'm going to see the miracle that I've been standing and believing for. And I'm going to testify in 2023, I did see a victory. God did show up. God did change that situation. What held me back all these years, I am now free from to run and move and live the life that God has for me. I declare victory over their lives. They are victors, no longer victims. They are victors, no longer victims. We're not going to play the victim card. Why does it happen to me? Why is this happening? Well, no, no, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor in the name of Jesus. I am in a room full of victors, no longer victims in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray scripture and I release the unchained word over each and every one of them now. Father, everywhere they go, they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. They are blessed where they are right now, and they are blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. Father, the word says, and I release it over them right now, that the favor of God surrounds them like a shield. They have favor with God and man, and everything they put their hands to prospers in the name of Jesus. Father, your word says that their body is full of victory, because by Jesus' stripes, they are already healed. They have the mind of Christ. Their mind is renewed. They have the word hidden inside of them. Therefore, they will not walk in sin, but they will walk in victory. Father, I thank you that right now they are the salt and light of the earth. Everywhere they go, they are a light of victory that the scripture says we diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. The salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill. We refuse to be hidden, but to tell the world that there is victory for them if they truly believe in the gospel of Jesus. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely next week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you all next week. Anyway, take care. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.